This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 215 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Josh Lyons and One Comfy Stable. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Today's sponsors are Draper Therapies, Fleece Works, and Kentucky Performance Products. You can find them all at stablescoop.com. We have links over there, so check it out at stablescoop.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hail, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. I'm Glenda Geek. And I'm Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Okay, so I was told by a little (laughs) birdie, mainly my wife, (laughs) that I had to ask you about something that happened over your last weekend. And I had to ask you about it right away at the beginning of the show. (laughs) Because you went to some, did you go to Hunter Pace or something like that over the weekend? Yes, Birdie and I went to our first Hunter Pace together. And um, I decided to live a little dangerously and take the new guy out and just see what happens. And, and, uh, and you did okay, I heard. Oh, we were the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> we were the bomb. I I had like no idea what to expect. And of course, I woke up at like four o'clock in the morning with these thoughts spitting in my head. What if he doesn't load in the trailer? What if he loads, but he scrambles? When are you going to learn to trust your horse? <laughs> well, he's new. So who knows? I, I really, there's so much I don't know about him. And I'm like, I've only had him for two months. Really? How? Yeah. And I'm taking him out to a hunter pace, uh, you know, and I've, I've not done any hard, hard riding. I mean, I did hunt, you know, two, three weeks ago. That was, yeah, I guess so. Anyway, so I was all brave, you know. I'm like, ooh, I hunted out with myopia. I'm brave now. Let's take my horse in a trailer and go to this, like, monster hunter pace. He loaded like a dream. He traveled like a dream. He backed off out of the trailer, like, just so gently and mannerly. He tied to the trailer. He ate his hay. He looked around. He ate some grass. Like, you know, he was alert and bright and a little excited about what was going on, but he was he, nothing. He never went over that line of, I now need to manage him. Does he give you the look like, what's wrong with you, mom? Don't you trust me? Not yet. <laughs> He's we're, going we're, too soon. <laughs> we're, we're, we're still dating. We're in that serious <laughs> dating phase. So he's not giving me the, the, he hasn't rolled his eyes at me just yet, but I, of course I know it's coming because me, I'm a nut job. <laughs> I'm a nut job. But he was like, he, first of all, he was the most calm out of all the horses. Nora's horses were wonderful, but don't forget, these are ring horses. Yeah. And they're serious ring horses. They spend most of their time in the equitation ring. Yeah, um, they're city horses. Your horse is a country horse. Why didn't know what he was. <laughs> he's I a country know. horse. He's, he's just hanging out there. Horse. He's a redneck. He is the cutest redneck I ever did see. He was just like, he was great. So he actually led the way. He was sort of, we were, like, I led the group and Nora, um, you know, brought up the the hind end. And, you know, the two other ladies were in between us. And, um, 
you know, so combined, all four horses had never been on a hunter pace before. So, uh, now, it, so it, it went good. There was no problems. You didn't get bucked off. Uh, he didn't, he didn't make a wrong turn. He did not make a wrong turn. He got a little excited when, if a group wanted to pass us, now we were going really slow because we wanted to be, you know, conservative. We didn't know what to expect. So we did a lot of walking and a lot of light trotting. And it all started in the start box because we, we were waiting behind a group of four gorgeous gypsy vanner horses. A group of four gypsy vanners? Oh, God. And they were like totally Did you take decadent. a picture? No, I was dealing with a hot horse <laughs> at the time. I want pictures I, of the gypsy vanners. <laughs> I know. I, I, somebody has a picture of them. I'm trying to, you know, scour the internet and find pictures from the, the pace. So he, he was like, ooh, they're fancy. They're cute. I, I think he had a thing for, for one of the mares. But um, that was really the only management issue the rest of the time he was just rock solid and the footing this is by far the most uh well this is the best route of any hunter pace i've ever ridden it was really long it was somewhere between eight and ten miles wow and the footing was it went all along like the the tide waters of of like horse neck beach and you could see the atlantic ocean and the westport river and it was just this rolling lush farmland we galloped through cornfields like they it was mowed like it was like golf course grass it's crazy <laughs> nice and um then there was one point though we went through the woods and it's the kind of thing where it's a you have riders passing in different directions but it's one path so you have to pull off to the side in the brush and let someone pass so it was a little tricky and it was very very rocky and brody's barefoot and still tender because you know, he's only two trims in and into fixing his feet. And I was really worried about his feet, but he took it like a trooper. He, he didn't have any problems. Well, and except I know, I know there's something coming because Jennifer said I had to ask about this. She wouldn't tell me about it, but let's get to that a little later. We're going to hear about a, a root in a foot. Is that what we're going to hear about a little later? That's what, that's what we're uh, going to hear. A root. So we'll let a horse eat, stuck to the ground. We'll let people eat their breakfast first. And no. uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. We have a lot of guests on today's show. There's a tease for you, huh? Um, so uh, we have Jamie Clark coming on, who this is going to be her first appearance. She's going to be with us monthly doing a segment on new media tips for horse businesses. And today she's going to talk about increasing fans for your Facebook page, which is all something that all of us that have Facebook pages want to do. Uh, and also, we have a new sponsor coming on today. We're going to talk to them. Lisa is the sales coordinator for Stable Comfort by ProMat, which is a cool little mattress for your horse. We're going to talk about that. And then uh, Josh Lyons is joining us. Now, uh, you probably know him because uh, he's the son of somebody that I think everybody knows the name of, right? Yes, yes, yes. This is John Lyons' son. And um, if you follow John Lyons, you know that he's passed on his expertise to his family. It's definitely a family affair. And um, Josh is, is great. He's great stuff. All right. Well, we're going to talk to him a little bit later in the show as well. And then we have a Tack and Habit segment about a way to protect your tack. We're going to be right back with our first guest today. Jamie Clark, CEO of Yellow Barn Media, is going to join us once a month with a new segment we're calling New Media Tips for all business owners out there. Because, you know, we all sort of, if we're in horses, we run a business of some kind, whether it's a boarding stable or, or teach lessons or something like that. And we all want to learn how to do new media better to benefit our business. Well, today we're talking about increasing fans on your Facebook page. And that's going to be coming up right after this word from Fleeceworks, the soft company. 
Fleeceworks manufactures pure Australian merino sheepskin and merino wool saddle pads and accessories. Their pads produce a vital thermal balancing layer to pull excess moisture and heat away from the horse's back, allowing muscles to work at maximum capacity without overheating. Fleeceworks Australian merino wool is breathable and hydrophilic, able to hold and store 35% of its own weight in liquid. A longtime staple of the medical field, Australian merino fibers have no equal when it comes to delivering a temperature-controlled, pressure-absorbing layer. The Fleeceworks philosophy, minimum bulk, maximum performance, and they have a variety of anatomically correct pads incorporating technologies and designs that address the individual needs of every horse and rider. Ask for Fleeceworks saddle pads and accessories by name at your local tack and feed store or visit them online at fleeceworks.com. Well, hi, Jamie, and welcome to your first appearance on the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Hi, Glenn. How are you? And thank you for having me. Seeing this is your first time, and, and you know, I did mention that we're going to be doing this monthly and starting this regular segment. Uh, but seeing it's your first time, tell us a little bit about yourself and Yellow Barn Media. Just a little bit about myself. I have been riding horses my whole life, probably like most of your listeners. I've been a horse uh, advocate forever, and I've ridden English, Western. I currently do trail riding. I have a little Welsh pony, and um, he lights up my life. So we spend the weekends riding trails, uh, and I work with businesses during the week, um, horse businesses, that is. And so I actually I live in Michigan, and I've owned Yellow Bar Media for five years and just absolutely love doing anything that I can from a marketing perspective to really help horse businesses and the horse industry as a whole. Very good. And today we're going to talk about uh, Facebook, obviously. It's one of the biggest new media platforms there is out there. And uh, although Pinterest seems to be making a, uh, a splash out there as well, maybe we'll talk about that at some point. But today we're going to talk about increasing your fans on Facebook. And this would be for, for the horse people who have uh, fan pages, who have barn pages, who, who are giving lessons, uh, you know, who have uh, businesses in the horse world. And, and a lot of us do. So let's talk about that a little bit. How do we increase our fans? I think, uh, number one, I think that's a loaded question, but it's a really (laughs) good question that, like you said, is at the top of our minds. And a lot of people have started the page, and then they say, well, I don't know how to get it out there and, and let people know that I now have a Facebook page. So there's a couple, there's three things that I'd like to just mention today that I think are very good, solid ways to start growing your fan base. And one of them, most Every business that has a Facebook page also has a website. And one of the things that I see so many businesses, um, this is something that's so easy, and a lot of businesses I think are missing it, is that there's not, uh, whether it's Facebook or other social medias, there is not an icon, you know, at the top of their website on their homepage so that people can interact immediately with Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, whatever it is. So one of the things that I encourage people to do is make sure, number one, make sure their website is friendly. And by that I mean when someone lands on your homepage, make sure there's a way that they can take action. So again, whether it's going to Facebook, it's clicking on the icon. Um, A lot of websites I've seen just don't have the icon or it's at the bottom and it's, it's so, so small you can you have to search for it. 
So one way that that I think that's easy, it's it just works well, is just to make sure your website asks people to become a fan on Facebook. You know, join us in in our community there at Facebook. So I think that's a very easy thing to do and you know, if people if business owners can do that, it's gonna be one one way to just continue to connect people with your Facebook page. And that seems so simple and like so logical, but yet you're right. Uh, I've seen so many web pages where the little Facebook icon and the Twitter icon and everything are so tiny. You, I don't want to have to look for it. I just want to see it right there and click on it. Yes. And depending on the demographic you had mentioned, let's say someone, uh, a horse uh, riding facility is giving lessons. Probably, depending on the demographic, I would venture to say that probably those people taking lessons are in the age group of very, very active Facebook users. And I know for me personally, I love websites, and obviously that's a great place for information and to really learn about that business. But for me, I want to know what people are saying, so I will go to their social media sites before I'll even dig really deep into their into their website. So if in because I teach and coach social media, if I have to look for the icon, the regular consumer may not take that time. So right. it, it, it is easy. And, you know, Glenn, I think the one thing, number one, it's very small and minor, and I think it's one of those things sometimes that just plain gets overlooked. Um, or people aren't sure how to change it. So whether they get with their web developer, it's a very, very easy fix. And so I do think that's, again, like you mentioned, very simple, but it really, really does help. Terrific. All right. What's number two? Uh, Number two is actually something that is near and dear to my heart, and that's using your email marketing campaign in conjunction with your Facebook page. And what I mean by that is this. People that are on Facebook, you may have, you know, your, you have your own personal profile. Some people have 50 friends, and some people have 2,000 friends. Um, and then when that specific person goes out to like a business, you know, they may like two businesses. They may like 2,000. And so what happens is when you're posting really good content on your Facebook page, what happens if you have someone like me, I have a huge number of friends, and I have a huge number of pages that I like and I interact with. If I'm a fan of your page and you post great content once or twice a day or, or whatever your system is, because my wall, my personal wall moves so fast, the likelihood of me seeing every single post that you um, are posting is probably very low. So for me, obviously, that's I'm already a fan of the page, but using email marketing is a really great way to, I use Constant Contact, that's just the system that I have fallen in love with that I use, but um, what you can do is you can, you know, connect with people through email, and it's, it's just a gentle reminder to say, you know, you're already a part of our, um, you know, our barn community or whatever type of business you're involved with. You're already a customer of our tax shop, but please come over and also join us on Facebook. So, you know, and again, there's other email marketing systems out there, but I think that email marketing is just a great tool to connect with your audience and remind them that 
Facebook is really the place where you where it's going on. There's you know because it's a two way dialogue. It's it's not like um, you know when you have a website you go there for information typically. If you've got Facebook or social media, it's people asking questions, making comments. It's basically like you're sitting across the table having a conversation with someone. And I think that using email marketing to drive um, your current customers and or prospective customers over to Facebook, I think that works absolutely beautifully. Very good. And number three? Uh, number three is also pretty near and dear to my heart because it's, I think it's fun and it's creative. Um, Facebook ads. Facebook ads are, actually, they're a little intimidating if you've never done them before because as with anything new, it's new and you've got to learn the system. But this is what I love. Um, I think all types of marketing are great. They all have their place. I think print marketing is wonderful. And each business really has to look at what's going to work for them. Um, And I always like to preface it with that because a lot of people that uh, love social media are like, it's the only way to go. But I I think, you know, using what's going to work for your business is number one. But a lot of businesses could use Facebook ads, and this is why I love them. I think I get really excited when I talk about this because you can capture your core demographic. So here's an example. Um, let's just say you had mentioned, uh, let's, let's use the tax shop as an example. Okay, so I'm in Michigan. Let's say there's a tax shop in Lansing, Michigan. And that tax shop is having a special on English attire. What they can do is when they set up that Facebook ad, they can choose the, the verbiage for the ad, but what they can also do is they can tell Facebook to target the demographic to the, the smallest demographic that they'd like. So a good example would be they could tell Facebook that they want to target women between the ages of 18 and 32 that ride English that live within 50 miles of Lansing. And by doing that, instead of just, you know, putting an ad in the paper uh, or, you know, some other means of advertising, with Facebook ads, you, you know the person that is receiving your ad that's seeing that is a person that already is interested in what you have to offer. Right. So for me, when you can target it, it'll also tell you how many potential people that it will reach. So if it's only going to reach 32 people, then you know you need to broaden um, your, your demographic search for that ad. And one thing I like about the Facebook advertising, too, we've done, we've done it on and off here at the Horse Radio Network, is, t- is you can really control your expenses, you control your cost. I mean, you're in control of basically the whole process. Yes. And I will, that's, the, other, that's the, the second to how excited I get about being able to really get out there with exactly the demographic you want, is there are a lot of people, when they're starting their business, you know, we don't have a $500 a month advertising budget. And as you mentioned, you can say, you know, I want to spend $35 on this ad. I just want to try it and see if it works. And for me, the thing also that's exciting is if you're not getting, if you're doing the pay-per-click ads, if you're not getting clicks, you know, if your ad, maybe it's your first or second try and maybe the wording just wasn't catchy enough or the 
you know, something just needed to be tweaked, you can, if you're not getting clicks on the ad, you're not paying for it. So, you know, you're paying, I use the per-click ads, that's typically what I use, and there's a lot of other options, but the pay-per-click I love because I can see, you know, if someone's clicking on it, are they actually taking action? And usually that's been extremely successful, um, especially around the holidays, you know, depending if it's a retail business, but really, really driving traffic to your Facebook page for people that already love what you do. And then it's just a perfect way to introduce them to something new. And I've recently been running a Facebook ad for my Facebook page, and it's awesome to learn. You know, you can see where the people are coming from, um, you know, whether it's what country, what language they speak, what types of horses they have. You know, once they're on your page and they're interacting with you, you've got a whole new extended community. So I really think the Facebook ads, and again, you know, if you have a really small budget, it's perfect. It's a real perfect opportunity. Well, where can people find out more about you? I have. I'm obviously on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering search. if you were going to say that. <laughs> of course. I, I have a website that's yellowbarnmedia.com, and my Facebook page is also Yellow Barn Media. And I am on Twitter as well, and uh, my handle on Twitter is Joyful Jamie. And I noticed that and, uh, the Facebook link is right at the top of your Facebook page where everybody can see it first thing they look at. Yes, yes. And I would, I would encourage, you know, and if anyone has any questions on these three um, items that we talked about, pop into my Facebook page. I'd love to help and answer questions any way that I can. Very good. Or any other questions on Twitter or any other social media avenues as well. We'll look forward oh, to sure. having you back again next month, Jamie. Thank you so much, Glenn. I appreciate it. Well, we have a new sponsor. We don't scare them away. And that is, uh, we want to welcome them right now. And it's Lisa, who is the sales coordinator with Stable Comfort by Promat. I had a chance earlier in the week to catch up with them to learn a little bit about their soft, cushy, cushy mattresses for your horse. Take a listen to this. It's a unique, it's a unique system that I think that every horse deserves. Hi, Lisa, and thank you so much for joining us on the show here today. And I want to officially welcome you as the newest sponsor on the Horse Radio Network. We appreciate that. Thank you very much, Glenn. It's my pleasure to be here. Well, we're hoping today to find out a little bit about your product because it is unique and it's something that, that I've seen before. I actually saw it at a show I went to and I was fascinated by it. So we're going to find out about that. But first, tell us a little bit about, about the parent company. Absolutely. Promat Incorporated is located out of Woodstock, Ontario, Canada, established in 1991, and the kind of flagship company uh, product was the dairy industry. Uh, we realized that putting mattresses under dairy cows would cause them to lay down longer and thereby, thereby producing more milk. Um, so it was a bottom line money money maker for the the dairy farmer. Um, then in 1999, after we had so much success with the dairy industry, um, the Promat decided to pioneer the stable comfort system. Uh, between the two systems, we're actually in over 46 countries worldwide. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. 
So, so you're an international company, and Stable Comfort is, you know, is the product that we're going to talk about the most here today. And I understand Promat has a number of products. There's a good number of different products, but Stable Comfort is what we're going to talk about. Tell us about Stable Comfort. What is it, first of all? Absolutely. Stable Comfort is a three-piece system that works as a one-piece system. Um, it's a flooring system for the, for the horse barn, for the indoor stalls. Um, it comes in any size. We can accommodate any stall size. Um, and basically what, what happens when the entire flooring is installed, um, it becomes a, a one-piece, waterproof, non-draining flooring system where the comfort is already built into the system. Um, and then we keep any problem things like the urine, the manure, we keep everything on top of the system where it can be then dealt with. The urine can be easily removed. Um, it can be disinfected. All these great, great features of our product. Um, a lot of time and effort and research and development was put into exactly what the equine industry was looking for in a flooring system. Um, and the result was stable comfort. Well, let's talk about, let's break it down to the components here because we're all used to what, okay, let the, the average ordinary person, if I, if I have a barn, I go out and I buy some floor mats and I throw them on the floor. And what happens is over time, the floor mat corners start to pop up and I have to, I have to drag the darn things out and I have to try and clean mm-hmm. under them and level the floor because it's gotten all bumpy. And the urine goes down underneath and basically makes a cesspool. And then it's stinky. And, and, well, it's and just, I hear this every day. Every day I have clients calling of. in saying, I hate my rubber mats. I just hate them. They're big. They smell. I have to move them. I have to disinfect them. What? Well, the worst part is me? when the gunk gets under them and then it turns up and then you break your, your, your pitchfork trying to clean the stall because it Absolutely. gets caught underneath the mat. It's just terrible. And what this does is it eliminates all those problems. Absolutely. What we're doing is we are... Um, basically keeping everything that could cause problems above our system, at, on top, which is where it can be easily removed. Uh, when, you're, when you're talking about bedding on top of rubber mats, you're talking about uh, sometimes even up to six to eight inches of bedding, uh, which you don't need anymore. With a stable comfort system, we already have the comfort built into the mat. And what does that mean? What are you talking about there? There's a two-and-a-half-inch rubber crumb-filled mattress, which is the bottom layer of our stable comfort system. Oh, so it truly and, is a mattress. Yeah, and uh, our research and development has shown that the, we actually call the mattress our pasture mat because it mimics nature's pasture, which is the best place for a horse to, to lay down, to get up. They feel free. Um, it, it's gentle on their hocks. Uh, they, they don't they don't get hawk sores from being out in the pasture. They get hawk sores from being on hard rubber mats or hard dirt floors. So what we've done is we've taken these two and a half inch thick uh, rubber crumb filled their cellular mattresses. We put them on the bottom layer, and that provides the the comfort that a horse needs. Now comfort is one thing, and it's very important for a horse to feel comfortable. That way, um, it will lay down, it will get up with confidence. The other important thing is that the top cover that we stretch over top of the mattress has the traction, and the, the uh, horse will have confidence, and they're not going to slip around. There's, there's other products on the market there that are very slippery, that are very slick, and ours is a, a rubber-based, um, it's a rubber-impregnated top cover where the rubber can never be removed from the fabric. It is just an absolute one-piece top cover. 
And when the mattress system and the top cover work together, we've got the comfort built in, but we also have the control and the stability that a horse needs. And then you just put your bedding down, that absorbs the manure and, you know, everything else. Uh, yeah. But you need less bedding because you're not really worried about making it soft for the horse at this point because the, the, the mat actually does that. Absolutely. There's less bedding needed. It's up to 75% less bedding, depending on the type of bedding that you use. Um, because what you're doing now is you're betting only with the, the mindset of absorbing the urine and easier removal of the manure. Uh, a lot of horses are also instinctual creatures in that they will only urinate at one part of their stall. Yeah. They're going to eat on another. The, the nice another ones quarter. anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And for those, for those animals, it's, it's fantastic in their stalls because really you only need to bed where the horse is going to be urinating and, um, and where the manure is going to be because it's only to have an easy removal of that. Um, we're going to keep the ammonia smell is going to be drastically reduced. Where the horse is eating is going to be more of a dust-free surface. They're not going to be taking in as much of the dust. Um, all, all in all, it's, it will save money over time and also will save on the horse's health. And I, we overlook the ammonia part a lot, but you know there have been numerous studies that we've read over the years that, um, that ammonia is bad for horses. And I've been in some barns, I'm telling you, that I wanted to pass out. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and that's just, it's actually ter- as bad as it is for you breathing it and you're going, I can't breathe. It's the same thing for the horse. They're not immune to that. Absolutely. And so when we're able to actually remove the urine, we're able to remove the trouble spots. Um, on, on other systems, maybe you're thinking on, on a solid rubber mat, well, I can remove most of the bedding. That's right. But the bedding that you're not removing is getting down into the cracks and is going to cause problems over time. Uh, but with a stable comfort system, you can even, as, as often as you would like, you can even uh, disinfect our product. You can hose it down. I was going to ask you um, that. Meaning that you can, whenever you want to have a perfectly clean stall, wall to wall, you're going to be able to return to that, that uh, baseline with ease. So you just hose it out because it's, it, it actually goes up along the walls. It's attached on the sides of the walls, so it acts as it's not going to get down along the cracks either. Absolutely. We have some products that we, um, that we also suggest for, for disinfecting, but to be perfectly honest, even a 5% bleach solution uh, works just fine to disinfect the product. Well, this is a very, very cool, and it can be made in any size, so it doesn't matter whether I have a 10 by 10 or 12 by 12 or 12 by 14. It, it, you can accommodate any of those? Absolutely. You give our office a, a call and let us know how many stalls you have, what size they are, and we're going to be able to help you out to any stall size. We've done 20 by 20s, 30 by 30s. We've done even larger than that. Uh, we, do, we will customize our product to your specific needs. Um, we have people who say, I have four 12 by 12 stalls, and there's removable walls in between. Can you help me with this? Absolutely, no problem. Uh, like I said, we customize our system to your specific needs. And is this something that I can put in myself, or do I need a professional? Keep in mind, I'm just a horse husband, so. <laughs> sure. The majority of our consumers choose to install a stable comfort system themselves um, because it is a system that, that is, I'm not going to say it's easy, it's not one, two, three, but it is, it is uh, something that you can be capable of doing, no problem. We have an installation DVD which goes step-by-step step through it all the details. Um, You can also find that video on stablecomfort.com. The other thing is we have um, printed directions 
that we can actually liaison with your contractor. If you have asked them to do the installation for you, we will work with them. We can also be available as they are installing for them to ask us questions specifically. Um, so we're, we're pretty easy going to help people. Um, but like I said, most of consumers choose to install the stable comfort system themselves. Now, and I saw, I'm thinking about uses here in, uh, in the horse world. Obviously, anybody, any barn, but especially for foals, for pregnant mares, if you have a, if you have it as a, as a mommy and, and kid stall, then that, that's even better because you don't want, you don't want the baby inhaling lots of ammonia or dirt or dust or anything either. And it's so much easier to keep the stall clean, uh, for, for the babies. I would think that if you have older horses, you know, just any horses, but I'm thinking the ones that it would really be, you know, really good for. Sure. You're going to see, um, very clear, benefits when you're putting our system under a lame horse or in a maternity stall, uh, in a foaling stall, things like that. Absolutely. Uh, but we also don't want to discount the, the race horse, the show horse, um, or even, um, even the hobby horse, because down the road, uh, your medical bills are going to be less, your bedding costs are going to be less, uh, because you have them on a system that mimics the pasture that they have outside. Um, that being said, we love working with, um, with people who are doing foaling stalls. We have even a, a product where we can, we can go on the walls. Uh, we love working with vet clinics. Um, I know that uh, one of the vet clinics close to our head office here has the system on their floors and the walls of the rooms where the horses come out of anesthetic. Um, that's to protect the horse and also the people who are in the stall with the horse. The other question I had, of course, everybody's thinking is about about the cost and about, you know, about what it takes to get this done. Absolutely, Glenn. And, you know, it is more economical than people would, would normally think that this is going to be due to the varying nature of the, the stall sizes, um, various places within the United States. Uh, we do provide quotes to anyone who requests them. Uh, you, are, you can request them by calling head office at 337 6265. Visit us online at stablecomfort.com and there's a handy contact form there where you can request a quote. And we normally get back to our customers within uh, usually 24 hours, sometimes up to 48 hours with a quote, freight, freight information, and from there we can uh, customize our system to, to your needs. Well, very good. Thank you so much, Lisa, for joining us. And thank you again for becoming a sponsor here on the show. You can find out all you need to find out at StableComfort.com. All their contact information is on there. And uh, there's a whole bunch of good information on there about how this works. And it's endorsed by, you know, a number of people that have been guests on our shows. Chris Cox has been a guest. uh, uh, Craig Johnson's been a guest. Mary King, of course, has been a guest on our show. So all of them uh, are endorsing Stable Comfort and use it for their horses. So uh, check it out at StableComfort.com. And we have a new trainer on. The name is not new, but he might be new to you. We're going to talk with Josh Lyons, who, yes, is the son of that other Lyons, John Lyons. Um, John, Josh grew up, obviously, under his, his, uh, on his father's ranch. It's a cattle ranch in western Colorado. And any cattle ranch that I know of requires a lot of hard work and working with horses. And so through that childhood, Josh learned about training horses and working horses and 
all those wonderful things that we need him to teach us. And uh, I mean, from the age of what, 16, uh, Josh was already working for his dad doing clinics and and training horses. So we're going to talk to him about what it was like growing up with John and uh, what he's doing now and all the kinds of programs that you can take advantage of. Uh, And this is Josh Lyons coming up. Well, hey, Josh, welcome to the Stable Scoop Show. We appreciate you being on. Oh, I appreciate you having me on. Well, you know, for the few people in the world who may not know the Lyons family, and we do have listeners all over the world, so, uh, you know, you, I think everybody knows the name John Lyons, and uh, that's your dad, right? Yes, it is my dad. And you grew up on the farm, but I, I guess when you were born, if I, if I remember correctly, he wasn't into the whole clinic and training horses thing as much as you guys were running a ranch. No, we were... Uh... When I was one, we just moved to Colorado and built a uh, cattle ranch. So we used to run 500 head of cows and, and uh, do that. Well, what happened was right about that time, uh, that year was the year that the cattle prices fell. Well, my dad had, so he kind of went broke trying to run this cattle ranch. And, and uh, all the neighbors, though, that ran, ran cattle with us liked my dad's horses, liked how they responded and, and were trained and, and started asking him if, if he would help them with their horses. So he kind of kept helping them, and pretty soon it just kind of kept growing till he started getting clinics. Uh, and then when that came about, he did that till from the early 80s all the way up to about the early 90s. And then he started doing symposiums where he'd, he'd actually break a horse out and uh, have it geared more toward the auditors to watch. You know, and, since, and ever since then, he's been doing them ever since. You know, that's a good point, Josh, that we don't think about. You know, when you think about the name John Lyons, you think about somebody who's been successful all his life, never really had any, you know, the thought comes to mind that he's never really had any problems, he's so good with the horses, that he's never had any struggles in his life. And that's what we sometimes think about celebrities and stars as well, but that's not true with him. No, I don't think it's true with about anybody that... that you know, has become successful. It's it takes a lot of work and dedication and a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of stress. You know, when, when we were growing up on that ranch, I remember giving going with my dad traveling, giving clinics, and and he had a philosophy. He wouldn't answer the phone. You know, two months prior to the clinic because he knew that the person holding the clinic was going to cancel it because oh nobody nobody would show up. <laughs> so he wouldn't answer for two months. And he would go and we would I drive out. <laughs> I'm like I'm not answering. We've all done that in the past, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just it was. We drive out to the clinic, and sure enough, nobody would show up. And we'd stand in the parking lot, you know, for three days. And all of a sudden, somebody would uh, have a problem trail loading a horse, and he'd walk over and and tell him he would he'd work the horse and fix the horse trail loading for fifty dollars. And we put twenty five bucks in fuel and send twenty home. And he did that for. Seven or eight years before he actually started, people started showing up at the clinics. Oh wow! I think I mean, that's it was a, a. I didn't know it that. was a rough time. And you were how old then when that all started happening? Well, I was about seven years old when we when I started traveling on the road with my dad every summer. Yeah, so you were pretty young. I mean, you were yeah. you were, you were in. I'd rather play than be with my dad at clinics. <laughs> no doubt, I was a. I remember sleeping in this old stock trailer. And uh, we he painted it, and it was just an open stock chair. We put a mattress on the floor, and we slept in that thing for, for a couple of years and uh, reading Garfield books 
you know, <laughs> at night. I mean, it was, we were, it, it was actually probably one of the roughest times in our life, but the best at the same time. You probably have lots of good memories from those nights in the stock trailer, actually. Oh, I have a lot of great memories. You know, I thought, actually, I'm sure a lot more stressful on my dad than it was me. Right, right. <laughs> I remember, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> he was thinking about how to put a gas in the car to get to the next place, and, and, and you're just seven years old. Right. I don't think he was having too much of a good time. <laughs> <laughs> now you That's st- kind of my dad. That's kind of what made him successful was my dad has a kind of no-quit attitude. He just sticks with, with it and keeps going, and uh, that's kind of what made him successful. Jeez, Helena, there's hope for us yet. He he did that for seven years. We're only in three at this point. I, I know. I, well, I don't know about there's hope for us, but, you know, I can appreciate all the, the time, the patience that it took to get there. Now, my, so dad you, did, my dad did a big lesson. It's called deliberate practice. When somebody says you're just naturally good, you kind of want to slap them. <laughs> nothing natural about it. Yeah. You know, it's called deliberate practice. Tons and tons of practice. That's what, you know, people say, oh, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. You're so talented. You know what? The harder I work, the luckier I get. Or the more I practice, the more talented I get. It's, yeah, (laughs) that's exactly right. I I did not come out of the womb like this. (laughs) Exactly right. So you started on ranch horses when you were a kid. Yes. Yeah, we started on the cattle ranch, and and, uh, I grew up uh, team roping and rodeoing, and, and, uh, Started giving clinics when I was 16. Uh, I remember, you know, being that young, getting a clinic. I mean, I it was a it was really tough on me. One, following my dad, and two, being that young, I having guys showed up that had been riding longer than I'd been alive, trying to trying to help them out. You know, I remember throwing up every time before I gave a clinic. <laughs> you know, for a long time, and uh, we just kind of kept going. Isn't that amazing? I had a I had a Scholarship. I was big in the sports, uh, playing basketball and football, and uh, was going to college for it. And the weekend I graduated, I gave a horse training clinic uh, up in Minnesota, and then I did another one in Wisconsin on the way home. And, and I just, I just never quit. I just kind of kept doing them, and uh, been doing them ever since. Now, what you so you were sixteen years, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years old at that point. What you know, what kind of reaction did you get from people? Did they did they, you know, were you convincing? Did they, well, you're obviously convincing, but did they trust you or was it a, was that something you had to overcome? Yeah, it was a definitely overcome it. You know, the, uh, showing up at that age, you know, and, and knowing who my dad was, my dad's name is the one that got me the people in the clinic. But they came, you know, it's like people coming to a rodeo. They, they don't go to watch a good ride. They go to watch a wreck. <laughs> You know, Unfortunately, so you yes. have to over, over, overcome that, and so I did a lot of unbroke horse stuff, and they they came to see more to the point of saying, hoping I'd get bucked off or make a wreck out of it, you know, and then I just kind of won them over, you know, at each show. But uh, it took it's taken years and years doing that till pretty soon, you know, I, I'm starting to build a reputation and and. People actually coming to me because they like my horse training, not not to see a wreck anymore. Right, right. Well, right. yeah, yeah, I think you do overcome that at some point. But um, now you, so you graduated from high school, and then you went to work full time with your dad at that point, weren't you? On the road. Yeah, I I've gone full time, and well, what happened was my dad hired me. Uh, we we started the certification program, and we taught two of them together, and then after that, 
I kind of took it over. So I worked for my dad for those two programs. And then I had the rest of the year that I had my own business of doing clinics and, and on both horses. And so we, the business we had together was a certification program. Okay. Well, after two years of that, then he hired me, you know, just to teach it by myself. So then I taught it for another eight years, eight, eight or nine years by myself. And then he gave me the program. Then I kind of took over and, and actually owned the program uh, back in 2004. I've been teaching ever since by myself. So I taught it for, what, 17, 18 years by myself now. now did you we have a little over 400 trainers, 48 states, and 11 countries. Did you have any brothers and sisters growing up? Were you the only child? No, I have three sisters, no brothers. Uh, and they, we all grew up riding, but... Uh, my two older sisters didn't didn't follow into it. They didn't go into the horse training part. One's a teacher. Uh, one's kind of an entrepreneur. She has a couple of different types of businesses she likes to do. And my youngest sister got into horse training uh, about 24 years old, started training horses uh, full-time. And she's in Arizona now giving clinics. And she does a lot of fear building with, with clients, how to overcome fear and women's retreat type clinics. Uh, she does really well at that. Well, cool. Now, where did where in your life, after being on the road all this time, did you have time to fit Janet into the picture, and where did she show up? Well, that was a, that was kind of different. What happened? I was that's in, Josh's uh, wife, by the way. I thought I'd clarify that. Yes, <laughs> we, I was in Minnesota. I was actually Madison, Wisconsin, was where I met her, and uh, I was doing an expo there. I met her there, and then. Uh, I started on date, and then I had to go do the Midwest Horse Fair. And I, she was uh, 16, I was 18. And then what happened was after the Midwest, we kind of kept in touch and kind of had a long-distance relationship. And, and every chance I'd get, I'd fly her out to a show I was at, and, and we'd spend the weekend and the week together. And then pretty soon, uh, we needed an extra driver on the road, me and my dad were doing clinics together on the road at this time. She came on the road with us and started driving trucks and trailer with us. Well, after about six months of that, we went back to Parachute. We got married and uh, was on the road a month later, and uh, she's been with me ever since. See, Helena, that's the key. First, he saw if she could drive a truck and trailer. Then he married her. That was the requirement. Well, that's, yeah, he that should be a born horse husband of the year. But <laughs> that's not a bad criteria. I mean, what other criteria do we use? And really, how well does that work for us? So, hey, can she drive a truck and trailer? By golly. The best part, best part she's never driven a truck and trailer. And she had only driven more, no more than an hour in her life. So when I flew her in, that night I took her up to the city market parking lot. We drove a couple of circles, and the next morning we had to Spokane, Washington. <laughs> and then we did a whole run from Spokane down to California to, to Nevada, back up to Colorado, and that's where we got married. We're married 16 years now. Oh, we have wow. four boys. That's awesome. That's awesome. Oh. Now, wh- how old are the boys, and are, do they, what do they do? How do you keep them busy? That's, that's a job in itself. <laughs> it's a tough job. Uh, my two oldest boys ride. My oldest boy rides a ton. He's really getting into horse training right now. He's uh, 15. He's actually right now doing a uh, equine uh, massage therapy course, as we speak. He's doing that right now at my place here. 
And uh, my youngest boy's gotten kind of, uh, well, my second oldest boy's gotten more into sports, so he's playing a lot of football and that kind of stuff. Then I got a two-year-old and a one-year-old, and uh, they just don't know what they're doing yet. They just go every direction. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so they're they're young enough to, to be happy, <laughs> to be blissful. Yeah, right, that's... That's, they only have two emotions at that age, and it's happy and mad. Exactly. <laughs> and tired, but it's not really an emotion, but whatever. And you know what? They go back to that in teenage years, too. So there's <laughs> a middle part there you can enjoy, and then when they became teenagers, it's the happy, mad thing again. <laughs> well, we forgot hungry. Again, yeah, not an emotion, true, but boys. those three things sort of, yeah, that they run that runs their lives. <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh, we're going to take a quick commercial break here. And will you stay with us? We want to talk about what you're doing today that we've got a little bit of your history. All right. Sure, that sounds great. All right, we'll be right back with more from Josh Lyons. All Draper products are made in the USA and contain salient. Salient encourages not only the alleviation of pain and other negative symptoms, but an actual improvement of the body's natural systems. Clinical studies have shown that salient relieves pain, increases comfort, and aids in healing by increasing oxygen levels and helping to regulate body temperature in you and your horse. From knee, elbow, and back braces for you to coolers, sheets, pads, boots, and wraps for your horse. See all the products for humans, dogs, and horses at drapertherapies.com. Find out why riders all across the world are turning to Draper Therapies at drapertherapies.com. And like them on Facebook, just search for Draper Therapies. Well, Josh, of course, today you talked a little bit about your uh, the certification programs and everything you have going on today. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit more about those programs. You actually have you do clinics, you do, and you have symposiums, you have trainer courses. Tell us a little bit more about what's going on today. Well, what we're doing in, in uh, outside Nashville is I, I run a certification program and accreditation program. We're building an online school, and we got a uh, coaching program. The, uh, what, the, what the certification program is designed to do is people that want to start and build a business in horse training and, and kind of uh, make a career out of it, it, t- it's, it starts with unbroke horses to, and goes all the way up to starting performance, where you're doing simple changes and, and starting flying lead changes. Uh, so you're kind of building all your foundation work. We go a lot over a lot of problem work, uh, rearing, bucking, biting, kicking, all kinds of problems they're going to see. Uh, we do a lot of round pin work. Uh, so we're building, the, the certification is about building a, a good foundation where there isn't a problem you can't address or, or have a solution for. And then the accreditation program, what that's designed to do is take people that want to show and, and or just for self-improvement want to work on flying knee changes and canter pirouettes and the tee-off and the reining spins and sliding stops. So it goes into a whole lot more of the performance side of the industry. Uh, the coaching programs for people that really don't want to ride, don't have an interest in riding, or, or physically can't ride anymore, but they really want to go out and help people and still build a business with it. So the coaching program is designed to te- help them learn how or teach them how to coach people you know, through different problems and solutions and actually be able to read the horse better and see more, uh, build outlines and, and figure out lesson plans to help their help their students uh, achieve what they're looking for. The only other program I have is called the Master Trainer Program, and that's by invitation only. So if you've done the, the certification and the accreditation, you, you can become a Master Trainer. And the Master Trainer is actually allowed to teach the certification 
and the accreditation program now in the Lions Nest. So they can actually certify or accredited other, other in the Lions Nest name. Yeah. Right. Now, if they just go through the program and they're not a master hand, then they go out and teach their own programs, but they're still certifying in their name, not, not our name. Gotcha. Yeah. And I see here you do travel around different places and, and do the certifications, not just at home, right? You, you, I see one here right, in Canada but, coming up. and uh, Yes, we're going to Canada and Australia and France and New Zealand, we, every state in the United States. We kind of, uh, what the traveling's for is just for exposure. We go out there and we, we meet people and we I break horses out and kind of show them those plans. I give lots of different types of demos from raining maneuvers to uh, trail riding to problem-solving. Uh, so I, I do a lot of shows for expos. Well, speaking so, of which, uh, you're doing one I'm very jealous of, and I know Helena is too. You're doing Equitana in Australia, which is, for those that don't know, we have a large listener base in Australia. It's, it's like our number two listener base now. Equitana is the show in Australia, and it's something I've always wanted to see. It's a big deal, yeah. Yeah. It, I, this would be the second time I've done it, and it, they are, it is a phenomenal show. They, they just do great, and the people over there are just phenomenal. They're super nice and, and really eager to learn. You know, I always have a great time over there. I always have to spend two or three weeks extra just to hang out. You know, it's well, just a they, neat, that's because there's so much there's so much ale and beer to consume in Australia. You have to get that in <laughs> while you're there. Well, for sure. you gotta, you got to do that. And you, they, yeah. they, they don't let you out of there without hitting a pub or two. <laughs> no way! I say I went. I went to. I went golfing over there on my time off. Went golfing, and uh, it was the craziest thing I've ever done. You know, you you you'd hit the golf ball and it'd go up and it'd roll up next to a, a big red kangaroo, and <laughs> and of course you, you really don't want to go get the ball from them in case you get something gets mad. So they just, and they they're all they cute and sweet, but they get mad. They do. They'll knock oh, you they, out. They get really mad. So it's funny is the way they golf over there isn't quite the same here. You know, here we play where it lies. There, if the kangaroo has the ball, we get the free drop anywhere we want. <laughs> so you get to leave the ball. But really, I, I golf a lot better over there. You know, it was a, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, you, most of us golf a lot better when we can drop the ball wherever. That works well, out. I know. Well. And it was legal. You didn't feel bad about doing it. You know, I got over feeling bad about cheating at golf when I was about 18 because I, I'm so bad that I figured that was my <laughs> handicap, is being able to put the ball wherever I want. That was my handicap. It didn't help anyway. So uh, <laughs> I like that. They, they have this thing. That they, it's called you, can, you buy a skirt or a throw. And a skirt means you get to tee off at the woman's box. And a throw means you get to pick the ball wherever you want at any time and just throw it. And so... <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. That helped my game out too quite a bit. I bought a lot <laughs> I do that of anyway. Wait, you're not, you're not supposed to do that? <laughs> <laughs> you play golf, don't well, you, Helena? You're... I do. I, I, I'm joking. I don't play well. For the number of years that I've been hitting that ball, I, it's just like riding. Every time I get in the saddle, I suck. Every time I hit a golf ball, <laughs> I suck. But you know what? I have fun, so whatever. It's good. It's all good. <laughs> I'm still alive. That's the point. <laughs> Now you travel. Obviously, you have the family, and you travel a lot, and you're you're do, you know you're doing the clinics, and you're helping people all across the country. Do, does uh, does Josh Lyons have another hobby outside of horses? Uh, well, yeah, uh, that's kind of what got me in the rodeo. You know, even though I was with horses, it was where I didn't have to worry about anybody watching me. I got to go out and go against the clock, and and uh, 
I like to do anything athletic. You know, I'm very adrenaline-driven. I, I bungee jump, I skydive, I, I rodeo, I team rope. I, I kind of like doing everything. I mean, I, I golf. I only reason I golf is because it's uh, really the quietest time I have. Yeah. You know, so I really enjoy that. So, you know, I, I'm kind of, I like anything. Huh. I'm pretty easy. So bungee jumping and skydiving, that's not two I pictured actually coming into the picture. Yeah, I did that. I actually took my little brother, Mike, I was over in New Zealand giving a clinic, and I took him up. He'd never been skydiving before. I took him up, and we jumped over Hobbiton, where uh, they filmed Lord of the Rings. Yeah, which is the so most beautiful country in the world, over there. That's Oh, it was just gorgeous. We are doing a, a big show over there, and uh, so I had that morning off, so I, I, I went over and I did the demo. Then we ran over skydive, and I ran back and, and did the afternoon demo. There's a... It was a great day. Huh. Interesting. Well, I know you're that we're we're on limited time here, but I do want to put a plug in. You have uh, an event uh, coming up here. Let me see when it is. It's the end of October, I believe. Uh, you have uh, you're going to be at the Tri-State Exposition Center in Cleveland, Tennessee, not Ohio, Tennessee, on October the 26th through the 28th for a clinic with Robert Langston. Yes. Yeah, we're going to do one down there together. He's a, a great guy. If you if uh, anybody wants to learn more about training and and uh, how to deal with their horses, it's a clinic where you can bring your horse, uh, any horse you want, and we'll address those problems there. Uh, it should be a, a great three day clinic. Uh, I think we have one or two spots left, uh, so they can contact Robert Langston or they can contact my office here. Uh, we'll for sure be glad to have them. And, uh, of course, you can find Josh at joshlyons.com. It's as simple as that. His schedule's on there, and uh, everything about the programs is on there as well. Josh, we appreciate you joining us and uh, going down memory lane here a little bit. Oh, I, I appreciate you guys having me on your show. Well, thank you to Josh again for joining us. That was fun. I didn't know all that stuff about all those years on the road not making any money and sleeping in the trailer. I, it's know. hard work, man. You know. I, you know. I, you do. What you don't you wasn't I well, am I off base here because you think about these celebrities and what kind of life they have now and I consider John a bit of a celebrity um in the horse world and but you know you think about celebrities and things and you don't think about the years they spent in in you know working as waitresses and you know sleeping 10 to a 10 to an apartment in LA and you know all that kind of stuff. You don't think about those years. You you don't. And, you know, we you and I think of John Lyons as a celebrity, but, you know, the mainstream world doesn't necessarily. I mean, he's he's on the radar, but he's not, you know, he's no right. Kardashian. Right. Right. <laughs> and and, he, and even more so, even if he was, he's still very well entrenched in the world of horses, which requires way too much work to, um, to just sit back on your laurels and let the world go by. Yeah. So, you know, and, and John has a very strong philosophy. He's got a phenomenal ethic. So you'd imagine that he'd pass that on to his kids. And, um, you know, there's, I don't know, to me personally, there's nothing like raising a child with a little bit of hard work or a lot of hard work. It reminded me so much, too, when you heard about Josh telling his story of growing up with, you know, traveling the country with his dad. What did that remind you of? How about uh, Buck Brandeman's daughter? Oh, right. From Gosh. the movie and everything. And we, you know, we got to meet her when she, when they came into Lexington. Um, and, you know, she's doing the same thing. She's going to be her own trainer someday. You know, she's, she's, she's followed the model, you know? 
She followed the model. And, and it's, an, and that's, you know, the, the term role model, you, you think about it, this is exactly what these kids, and I call Josh a kid because he, to me, he is, but this is what these kids are. This is the, the result, the product of their parents serving as good role models. And now Josh is enjoying a little bit of success, a lot of success in the same way that his dad did. He didn't invite us to go along to Aquitana though, did he? No, 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 no. I was, I was waiting. I would, I would be interested, though, in having him back on after a couple of months. <laughs> He'd be funny. I know it. I just know it. And, you know, he's got that nice, warm, conversational flow. It's very, um, what I call it, an accessible personality. Yes. You know, uh, there's no facade, which does sometimes happen when you achieve a certain amount of success. You kind of have to put that wall up and put the professional face on. But he's very genuine. And so I think whether he's got a couple of pints in him or not, he, what what you get is what you get with Josh. And that would be really – I would like to have – hmm, maybe we can get him out here to New England for a couple of clinics. There yeah, you go. That's it. <laughs> All right. Well, we haven't forgot about the root in the foot uh, story that's coming up. Helena's going to tell us what happened on the Hunter Pace that had put a root in a foot. We're going to find out about that in a minute. But first, we have our Tack and Habit segment. And sponsored by Kentucky Performance Products. Well, if you're a regular listener to the show, you know we talk a lot about Kentucky Performance Products. And that's because they are a name you can trust to give you the most value for your supplement money. Kentucky Performance Products offers supplements designed to target specific problems that are made with high-quality ingredients included at effective levels. The company's supplements are intended to complement, not compete, with your dressage horse's current feeding program, guarding against over-supplementation. And each product is backed by sound research and the money-back satisfaction guarantee. And today, we'd like to talk to you about Nalox, the original equine antacid. It's recommended by veterinarians and leading horsemen as a way of maintaining a healthy stomach, which reduces the risk of ulcers. Nalox can be given daily to horses exposed to stressful conditions or as needed when shipping, competing, or during stall confinement. You know, you can learn about Nalox and all the products at Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. That's Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Well, today we're going to have Lisa back with us, who's our account rep, and she is back with us with another interview that she did from Ada, and this is something different. Uh, it's something called the Saddle Network, and it's a way that you can you can basically protect your tack from theft and what happens and uh, in, what's involved with that. Because, you know, you hear about, you know, horses being, that posse talks about horses being stolen, but what do people have stolen more than their horses is their tack. People come into their tack room and just wipe it out. Yeah, because your tack doesn't whinny on the way out. That's right, or kick you in the face. Yeah. Uh, um, That's a new lojack. That's a horsey lojack. That's right. (laughs) It's you sell a horse, comes built in. (laughs) My horse kicks when someone else leads him away. You know, you're hearing about, you know, all of these, I don't know if you've been reading about it, but these people that are cutting horses' tails off, it's a big problem in Wyoming right now. 
They've I had did hear about 30 that. farms, 30 incidents where people are just stopping in the middle of the night and cutting horses' tails off out of the field. Why don't they ever get kicked? If I did well, that, I'd get kicked in the face. I know, especially at night. <laughs> oh, especially geez. at night. I, I don't, what are they doing with their, They're with selling the tail? to, apparently, you know, how there's tail weaves, you know, and, and also tail extensions. And there's a lot of jewelry and stuff made with horse hair. Um, and that's what they think is happening is they're selling it on, on the market for, for that kind of stuff. But it can't be that much money in it that's worth getting your face kicked in or getting arrested. I, well, they're probably people who don't really understand what it means to creep up on a horse at night from behind <laughs> with a pair of scissors. gotten lucky so far. <laughs> well, we're going to learn about Saddle Network right now. So this is Lisa Kemp for Horse Radio Network. I'm here at the ADA International Trade Show. That's American Equestrian Trade Association. I'm here with Mary Braley of Saddle Network. So Mary, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And tell us what Saddle Network is. Well, basically Saddle Network is a platform. It brings a retailer, manufacturer, and consumer together in one membership network type site. It's a membership-driven website. And what it does is it gives you the ability as a member to go online and archive all your tack, all your bridles, saddles, halters, all equipment. So you're creating like an inventory list. Exactly. It's an online. It's one online secure location for all your records. Because if you ask yourself now, where do you keep your information on your saddle if you were to have it stolen right now? I think a lot of people would say, what information about my saddle? <laughs> exactly. It's immediately gone, right? Right, right? So what we've created is this archiving system so that now you can have a picture as well as detailed information on all of your tack, all of your horse-related equipment. Okay. So And it's unlimited. You can unlimitedly archive. So it's a, a big giant basically a file cabinet okay. for your information. Okay. Then on those items that are high theft type items, like saddles for instance, you can request a tag from Saddle Network. Okay. Then that tag, Saddle Network receives that request, we issue a specific tag for that item, attached, then it's sent to you with decals, Saddle Network protected by decals, as well as the rivets and everything that goes with it for aftermarket application, for at-home application, super simple. Once you apply that tag to your saddle, now you're protected. So what happens is that you go to the barn in the morning, your saddle's not there. What you can do is you can go on to your profile page, find that item, flag it as stolen, and an immediate email, text, Facebook, and Twitter alert goes out across the network. Oh, wow. So now it's immediate notification that you your saddle's been stolen. Okay. And who does who do those alerts go to? The the saddle network, all the saddle network members. Okay. 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 And being that it's Facebook and Twitter as well, it overlaps into all the other social networkings when people start to share it as right, well. Okay? Right. And then it goes viral. Right. Exactly. So on the reciprocating end, now let's say your saddle, whoever stole it, takes it and tries to sell it to somebody, whether it's a retailer or whether it's an individual, what have you. Now that person is able to scan the QR code that's on the tag and basically on their smartphone and then enter that serial number of that tag on on the landing page basically or they can just enter that code the serial number of the tag onto the website and they'll instantly see an image of that saddle with a big red box around it flashing saying stolen so now you immediately know the status of the saddle what happens if somebody uh, somebody steals a, a piece of tag like that or saddle and they remove the tag if they remove the tag because it takes two holes 
tags to apply it, uh -huh. and the tags have a designated location. It's on the left-hand side of any saddle, English or Western. It's along the back edge of the panel of the seat or the leg flap uh -huh. for English saddles, per se. And the Western saddle will be on the seat, seat jockey. And it's to the rear edge where there's no interference to horse or rider where it's placed. Then you would uh, punch two holes in it with your leather hole punch and apply the, the double cap rivets and take a little hammer and smack it a couple times and it's on there permanently. So if you, now if you try to take a tag off, which is pretty difficult to do so in the first place, if you take it off, you're going to have two holes remaining there. So now you can go in via parameter search on Saddle Network, enter what you know about the saddle, the make, the model, whatever you see on it, and by parameter search, Saddle Network will bring up anything under that name, that parameter that's been stolen. Wow. So it still catches as a double catch. Wow. And it also seems like this, uh, the inventorying component of mm -hmm. it would be good in the case of like a fire or something like that. Definitely so. So if there's a fire, let's say a fire or you keep your tack in your trailer, your car, it gets stolen, it's gone. Now you're able to click on all those items that are missing or damaged and you can share it with your insurance company. Simple and easy. Right. Just right. goes right on over. Yeah. And right now, like people are usually just trying to rack their brains like, oh my gosh, what did I have? Right. Where did I get it? What brand? And, right. And they forget half their stuff. Right. Exactly. And the insurance company wants to see pictures. They want everything before they, right. you know, they satisfy a claim. So, so you're, you're said that you're on like a multi-phase rollout right now. Yes. We are starting right now here at the AETA show with uh, an introduction to the retailers and manufacturers okay. on the East Coast. And um, we're basically building the foundation of Saddle Network so that the information is out there. They are basically the first, the beginning and the end of the line of defense because they are the, the manufacturers ultimately will tag from the point of the factory. We already have a couple manufacturers on board saying, yes, we are, we are, we believe in this and we're going to tag at the point of making saddles. And, and then the retailers on the opposite end also are the informers to the community to say, hey, this is out here and, uh, and can also apply, um, can supply saddle network memberships, help you sign up. And then there's also um, basically the ability for a tack bay that Sal Network has so that you can buy and sell on tack bay. And um, it's a member only to be uh, used. Right, right. So, so you know, you like you're at a tax store. You buy a new saddle, and they can tell you right then about Saddle Network, and here's an option for you, and get you signed up, and all that. Right, exactly. Okay. So, when is this going to be available for the consumer? Consumer is going to be. It's going to come available late September. Okay. And uh, September 25th is the actual date it will go live for the consumer. Right now, there's a pre-sign up available, okay. so consumers can still go on to saddlenetwork.com and check the site out, run around in it, and. See see what it has to offer and how it works, and then um, they can pre-sign up and get some extra little benefits on the side for pre-signing up, like extra length in their membership time and extra tags and things like that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay, to yeah. Get, kind of get the ball rolling. Right, okay. exactly. And it'll be launched in time for Christmas, so this would be a great stocking stuffer for people or... Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it would be. Yeah, different. That that extra little stocking stuffer after right. uh, with that new saddle that right, they just got right. in the tree. Exactly. <laughs> Very cool. So, uh, so once again, we're here with Mary Braley of Saddle Network, which is a brand new service to inventory and uh, and create an archive list of all your saddles intact, so that in the event of, of theft or loss, you can um, uh, get replacements, and it also uh, prevents the resale of stolen tax. So, looking forward to this. It's a great, great service for the equine industry. And they're at saddlenetwork.com, and they're also on Facebook and Twitter.
Okay, we've been waiting the whole show, Helena. You were out in the hunter pace with the group, and Jennifer said, oh, you got to ask her about this story, so tell the story. Well, this is a first. Um, I've personally not experienced this happening before, but when you when you hear about what happened, it totally makes sense that it could happen at any time, not just to us, but just to about anybody. So we're going through the woods, single file, Brody's in front, and Nora's in the back on Bryden. And suddenly we hear, ho, oh, ho, hold up, hold up, we're stuck. Like, what? My, my, Birdie's leg is stuck to the ground. So I immediately think that his foot slid in between two rocks or boulders and got stuck there. Is so, this your horse? No, okay. Bryden. This is okay. one of the other, one, one of the thoroughbreds that was out with us. Okay. And uh, that Nora was on. So she's a pretty cool. And that's your coach. Customer. That's our coach. Yeah. So, um, now, the other two ladies, they, they held their own, but I, they weren't, neither of them was prepared, nor were we prepared to let them get off and lend a hand. And I've been on and off so many times out there in the hunt field. You just, you hop off, you throw your irons over the saddle and you, you know, you hook your horse to a tree or whatever. When you, when it's an emergency, you just do what the, you know, what comes to your mind. So I handed my reins to Annie and I went to go take a look at exactly how Bryden was stuck to the earth. And sure enough, one of the thinner roots that went across the dirt path, and, and it looks almost like those um, the poison ivy roots. They're pretty thick, maybe about the thickness of your thumb. Yeah, we have vines like that all over but, Florida. Yeah, Right, yeah. roots, vines, whatever. Yeah. So what happened was we had paused just long enough for Bryden to paw at the ground. Mm-hmm. And as he pawed and slid his hoof backwards, the root got caught in between his shoe and his sole, and got wedged in there enough where when he went to go lift his foot, he couldn't. Jeez. Oh, and and the, the root was freaking strong. <laughs> now, the thing is, is if he panicked, the root probably, the shoe probably would have pulled off. Yeah. Because this root was pretty hardy. But he did not panic. He just stood there. And so we're all like just waiting for that moment where he realizes he's stuck. We don't think he realized it. <laughs> like, please, God, don't. Right? Don't realize this. Don't realize this. And so none of us had a knife. I had my little saddlebag, and in it was a juice box and something else. Oh, my phone. And I thought when I left the house, I'm like, I really should bring a Swiss Army knife or a hoof pick or something, duct tape. And uh, I, I just – it didn't happen. So, of course, we need a knife. There's no knife. And uh, it turned out that I ended up just – oh, I know what I did. I um, sawed the thing off with a little rock. Like I started cutting in with a, a little stone and then scraping it along the bottom of his shoe. And we finally got the root to, to snap and freed his leg. And, of course, the whole time he was calm, calm as, as anything could be. And we got back on and we're on our merry way. Oh, see, this is a much better story than I thought it was going to be. Because when she said root, root uh, and hoof, I was thinking a little piece of stump was sticking up and he it went through his foot. I'll tell you, there were plenty of those. This was the only thing that I didn't like about this pace is they had, oh, I call them foot killers. They're, they're roots that, you know, from like these saplings that stick up on the path. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're not marked. And, and then these little rocks, they're probably about the size if you make a fist. And then they have the pointy side facing up out of the ground. And the more horses pass through the trail, obviously the more dangerous these little hoof killer rocks and roots become. And, uh, oh, my God, I, I was like, I got off and I said, my horse's feet are done. This is just not going to, this is going to be bad. But 
as long as I was careful and I was looking at the ground, I could leg yield him or, you know, I, I could sort of steer him around most of these obstacles. But it didn't from the looks of the rocks and the, and the roots, it didn't look like some horses were as lucky. There were definitely some foot killers out there. Hmm. Well, it had a happy ending. That's good. <laughs> and, like even now, as I'm talking about it, I'm all like tense and anxious and oh, <laughs> And the rest of the ride was phenomenal. It was great. It was just that one little tiny emergency. I'm going to get and you I'm, one of those utility tools that has the cutters and the screwdriver and everything you just take with you next time. And we're all now we're all online, like looking for Swiss Army knives <laughs> and these multitasking tools. What can we bring? And I'm like, what should I? I was going to bring duct tape, but definitely for sure, I think one of those multitasking tools, like even more than just a, a hoof pick. Yeah, you, you need a, you need a, something that has a scissors and a cutters and a pliers and a. You know, those are handy, too, when a shoe comes part the way off and the nail's not all the way out. Yeah. And you can just use that to yank out the nail before you try and rip off the rest of the shoe, you know? Yeah. Um, those come in handy for that kind of stuff, too. Yeah, you definitely should have one if you're out on especially a long ride like that, because that was not a short ride. So No, we were in the saddle for three and a half hours. And I know that the endurance riders carry those along. Um. The endurance riders, they carry. That's what we were talking about. We're laughing. Like, at the end of the ride, we're like, is it the end yet? My ass hurts. No, I was just going to say, <laughs> I was just going to say, okay, you were out for three and a half hours. How was the next morning there, Helena? And the reason we were out so long is because we walked a lot of it. And then, oh, but but we had our moments. We Nora jumped some of the, the big hunt jumps that were out there. And there, were this, there was this huge hill. It was really big and really long, and it was wide open fields on either side. And, you know, I turn around and I looked at the three of them and I'm like, we need to gallop up this hill. Can please tell me you guys, all three of you can do this because <laughs> I'm going, whether you're not, whether you're coming with me or not. And they were all like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the wild eyed. Yeah, yeah. So we did have our, we, we cantered, we trotted, we galloped, but a lot of the times we walked. So we're sitting on our seat bones for a lot, a long time. And, you know, your knees and your ankles. And so, um, you know, really, I think that was pretty much it. A hot bath at the end of the day just to soothe soothe those sore muscles um, was all we needed. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm glad you're having so much fun with your new horse. I'm sure. Oh, he is the bomb. He I'm is. Sure regular listeners to the show are going. She got a good one this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I know. Thankfully, we don't have to hear about her shopping. Have to have again. Shopping for horses again. <laughs> Actually, you've been shopping for horses since we started this show. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, be sure to listen next Friday. We have an interesting episode coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we have the, the – and you and I saw this together, actually, many, many years ago with Jennifer and, and uh, you and Peter and Gracie up at uh, Topsfield Fair is where we – in Massachusetts is where we saw the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the drill uh, team. And there is nothing, nothing better than that in a show. They are terrific. Uh, and we're going to talk to them in a couple of weeks coming up and learn how they train the horses. You remember, right? They breed their own horses, and they're all alike, exactly alike. They are. They are. Yep. <laughs> what an incredible program they have, and what a neat, neat, neat show. So we're going to talk to them in a couple of weeks coming up, as well as many other things. And be sure to tune in next week for another show. And uh, you can find all of our notes uh, at StableScoop.com and links to everything we talk about. Don't forget about that. You can hop on over to the website as well as links to all of our sponsors for today. Today, Draper Therapies, Fleece Works, Kentucky Performance Products, and our brand new sponsor, Stable Comfort by Promet. We love our sponsors. Thank you so much for joining the Stable Scoop Show. Um, we're going to have more, as Glenn said, next week. Stay tuned. 
tune in, download, whatever we call it these days. I'm a little fried. I think I need to go ride my horse. Right, go ride it's been your a horse. few days. That's it for this week, Alina. We will be back next week. In the meantime, happy scooping. Happy scooping.